right, welcome back to the Footy Museum. I'm still not used to this video thing. Oh my gosh. Stop but looking at yourself. I'm looking at you look at me, but I can't help but look at myself. Oh, I'm looking at myself. Oh, you're looking at oh, look at um, <laughs> Just kidding. But today's a great uh, example of why we did it, because we're going to be talking to Kay Steller from Rose City Riveters, which is one of the most dynamic supporter groups in the world. They obviously are the support group of uh, the Portland Thorns, um, and we get to see some great examples of work that, that Kay and her colleagues have done for them. But before we do that, uh, there's a few things I wanted to um, touch on this last week and, and wondered if there was anything else, uh, anything you wanted to. First, I wanted to um, talk about this. So this past Wednesday, I believe- Was it that yeah, long ago already? Yes. Where dreams of you and I, and you, you separately, I went with Tekla, my daughter, um, and this is from my vantage point. And then up way up to the right, somewhere high up was Maria with her oh, husband, Jeremy. <laughs> and this was the much built you and your Chicago, <laughs> Chicago Fire Inter-Miami matchup that the team really pushed as Messi comes to Chicago. He did not come because he's injured. Um, and as of today, Miami are officially out of the playoffs. Um, uh, yeah, uh, but he's 62, not injured anymore. No, he played the game that put him out. Yeah, just two days. Like, really, what happened in two days, Messi? But 62,000 people did show up in what turned out to be a 4-1 uh, route for the fire. Um, and it was it was really exciting to be in that stadium when it was full. It was jumping. Uh, the, the supporters groups weren't so happy, though. They started the game with a kind of a protest to the owner, Joe, Joe Mansueto, who has kept on, it looks like will continue to keep on uh, the sporting director who makes a lot of questionable decisions, which has leads to what happened. And last night when I brought my daughters to see, hopefully the fire clinch a playoff <sighs> and, and they blow it to uh, Charlotte FC. Um, and it was not great. It was not a great thing. So we have now, uh, a situation where I guess technically the fire could make it. They were up here at eight before yesterday. Now they're down. And this confused me. So this line is the playoff line. Uh-huh. DC is above it, but they're already eliminated. Because they played that... well, they played all their games. Oh, um, and so they somebody... have and they have a, a lower goals per game. So actually. Chicago, New York, and D.C. are currently tied for ninth. And I think whoever put this on the website is screwed up because it should really be Chicago, New York are tied for ninth. And D.C. is actually um, lower because they have a lower points per game. Mm -hmm. And each of these other teams have the same, uh, same amount of points but a higher points per game. But anyway, that was sad. So I don't know about this team. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that with our viewer. Oh, you got um, a cool t-shirt. Um, I did. I did pick this up, which unbeknownst to us, after we talked about them, was it two weeks ago? Yes, yeah, two weeks ago. Um, they had the actual Sting team 
at Soldier Field, the 81 champions, and they had these shirts. And this is the best thing that's happened related to the fire this season. So I did get that. <laughs> anything <laughs> anything uh, good in your week, Maria? Oh, let's see what happened. What happened with Leeds? Ah, uh, yes. It was a great game because it was at 9 a.m. and it was broadcasting at ESPN+. <laughs> Plus. Oh, and they won. So that was quite exciting. We'll just forget about the Wednesday loss to Sheffield. But yeah. this morning or yesterday morning, oh, a glorious win. And it was an exciting game. It was a little frustrating. Lots of like really near misses and stupid mistakes. But yeah, that's eh, Leeds. <laughs> well, so that's what's going on with us. Why don't we jump to our interview with Kay to find out what's going on with a very successful top of the table team, the Portland Thorns and the Rose City Riveter supporter group. Okay, so as I mentioned, here we are with our special guest today, Kay Stoller. Kay is a member of the Rose City Riveters, which is the uh, famous supporters group for the Portland Thorns. She is a, a carpenter uh, based in Portland, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about the process of working on some TIFOs for the Thorns and kind of that amazing community they have around one of really the top teams in the country. Um, so Kay, welcome to the Footy Museum. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> so Kay, um, the Rose City Riveters are probably one of the most well-known supporters groups in the NWSL. Um, you're a member of that group. What's it like? How'd you start? How'd you get involved? How long have you been a member? And what makes the Rose City Riveters unique as a supporters group? I first became a member of the Rose City Riveters at in the sometime during the second season. I first saw them in action midway through the first season um, and then I went away and came back to Portland and saw them again and they were still as loud and cheerful and everything that they are now but bigger and I just thought they were impressive and they were fun and they seemed just you know that's where you wanted to be inside the stadium so when I came back in the second, when I came back to games in the second season, I found my way over there and I slowly like crept down into the group as I got more comfortable <laughs> getting into the chance and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I've been a member ever since then, ever since the second season and yeah, wouldn't change anything about it. So the Riveters have created some of the like best known TIFOs in the last few years. Um, they're thoughtful, they're ambitious, they often have references to other arts and cultures and literature. Um, what do you think it is about the Rose City Riveters that creates this kind of like fosters this really um, creative atmosphere with this type of artistic uh, ambition is supported and developed? Um, I think it's all about collaboration, especially within the core group of us, there are, there are seven members, like active members, I want to say, give or take a couple every now and then um, of our TIFO crew. And it is basically, we kind of, at the beginning of the, 
most seasons we come up with a concept of what we kind of want to see the season be and we just start having conversations and you know we talk about different um we just anything we see essentially that we think could resonate with with the people in the crowds and with the team um be it comic books or movies or you know anything like that a poster or something like that and we just we start a conversation and we just bounce ideas off of each other and there's really no bad idea some everything kind of gets worked in in some way or another but we just we just have a conversation we just have conversations about it and we just bounce ideas off each other constantly and we just think even even if it doesn't make it to a TIFO we find a way to do it in another way be it player banners or things like that like rail banners that we hang over the and the north end mm-hmm. um but yeah it's collaboration for sure there's not one single person who drives like a single TIFO someone might have the idea but then all of us collectively like put in our own thoughts and feelings and would this look better this way or would the these words should be better than these words or like you know things like that and you know the underlying thing is always like what is the message that we want to send that's like that's the biggest thing it's like yeah what what do we want people to get out of it and you know yeah <laughs> yeah well when I, when I look at your your group's crest here too another big thing in that is the city itself mm-hmm. right along the yeah. top and uh Portland's amazing because it's home to two top level teams um, that actually share a stadium. And mm-hmm. my sense is that the Riveters also um, at times collaborate with Timbers Army. Is there a lot of uh, crossover between the two and support between the two groups? Um, I think as a whole, like the Timbers Army and the 107 107s, which is a non-profit organization that we're <laughs> both under, um, we've been a part of them since the of that umbrella since the Riveters came to be. Um, there, we have conversations with the TA TFO crew, but generally. Um, we don't necessarily involve ourselves like in each other's okay. processes because they tend to do like, they definitely love horror more than we do. I mean, we, we did, obviously we did Midsummer this year, right. which, you know, it was a bit terrifying, but generally <laughs> we do Shakespeare. They do horror. That's kind yeah. of like, yeah. And I mean, we, we talk to, we, we talk to each other, but um, for the most part uh, we both respect it we do have like we we're we're doing the same thing but we're doing it in a different way different concept Mm -hmm. wise so if but you know if we need because we're like we are newer at this they've been doing it for quite some time now yeah Um, anytime we you know have questions or we need help or you know concept ideas of if we could do like they did one the shining this year where they pulled down a part of the TFO to expose Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And it was like things like that where you don't think you could do it. And it's like having conversation with conversations with them and, you know, going actually. Just technical like, things. Like how do you yeah. get the layering right, the timing? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it seems like Providence Park is um, uniquely set up 
to mm -hmm. highlight uh, supporter TIFO large scale ones because of yeah. its, its history of an old baseball stadium with that kind of curved area where you all sit is very yeah. theatrical. It's very unique yeah. with a deep overhang. Yeah, yeah, and because it's wooden rafters more or less on the top uh -huh. of the the old part of the new stadium, it's it's where all of our ropes are rigged, and so it's it's perfect. It, it's almost like that stadium was designed for us instead of for baseball. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I mean, everyone always says it's one of their favorite U.S. Uh, soccer sites to visit uh, to see a game, even after the addition. Um, yeah it, yeah and i feel like yeah. with the addition and with their roof that overhangs to it like it keeps a lot of the noise in even better now yeah so now we're going to look at a few of the tifos you've worked on with the riveters um and this first one i believe is from like six or seven years ago uh but you mentioned we were speaking before the interview that it was one of your favorites and one that you had the most fun working on. Do you want to give us a little explanation of what we're looking at? So this is Shield Maidens. It was our 2017 home opener. It was the day we were presented with the Shield for winning the, for basically becoming our uh, top of the ladder in the regular previous regular season. And so the concept behind this was obviously protecting Providence Park because that was our home. And we wanted to make it formidable. And so we basically had just droves of people came in and made their own shields that they, to them, protected Portland. You could use to protect Portland and Providence Park. And so, yeah, the idea was basically you come into our home, we're going to protect it and you're not going to win. Um. I love the layers that you get in so many of the activations you do, like the considering the back with the shields up yeah. and then everyone is obviously uh, holding up shields. What are on the shields that the supporters are holding up behind the front uh, three figures? It was, it was a mix of so many things. Um, it was essentially in the beginning, we were trying, the idea was to try to make it something that would, you know, that you could actively use that you would think of when you wanted to protect something. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think originally we just had, uh, gosh, I mean, it was such a long time ago. I think we just had something like some targets and some just, you know, not weapons or anything like that, mm -hmm. but just things that. I don't know, they're just designs on the shield in a way that, you know, made you think that you were like in what, in a 17th century war or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, but then as more and more people came in, it was just like, what do you want to keep safe and protected? Hmm. So people started putting their pets on there and people put um, just <laughs> Anything and everything Anything. that you can possibly think of. <laughs> like, it, it, I think we had some Pokemon. Um, I did a drop bear. Uh, we had goalkeeper gloves because, you know, that was the most important part for us for protecting it was our goalkeeper. And so it was, I think we had, um, we had sign language for PTFC. Um, just various things like that. Whatever anyone wanted to put on it, mm -hmm. we were just like, go ahead. Because I think we, I don't know how many we did. I think it, it was over 200. 
And so oh my God. after probably 50 of like a certain like theme, it was just like, can we just let people go nuts? And that was kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that's why it just, you know, it, it turned out, I mean, it turned out really well and everybody loved them because it was their, it was their own shield. And when people got to the stands, because we put them out before the game, before anyone gets there. And mm-hmm. so people were wandering around trying to find their shield that they made so they could take it to their seat and hold it. Oh, oh that's great. So it's spread yeah. out throughout the whole stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, mostly just the North end, but okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this, you know, it can even relate to this next one as well. The constellation. Um, uh-huh. Uh, so you can maybe give us an idea of 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 what this this piece that we're now looking at uh, was about and how it originated. But then broadly, could you also t- explain what does that decision process look like for the whole group um, when you're meeting at the beginning of the year? Like we're choosing which games what we want to focus on and how it gets from that meeting stage to these uh, really impressive works. Yeah. Um, so Constellation was our 20, was that, did I say that was our 2018 home opener? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it, that, yeah, that was the year after, after we won the our championship. Second. Yeah. Yeah. After we won our second star. So Emily Menges in her celebration speech inside the stadium said let's make a constellation and so that thought stayed in everybody's head and so when the season was rolling around it was like we have to make you know they there has to be a tifo of a constellation um a big thing that had also happened the season we won was nadine angara had a thing about ice bears and she would i think she gave a post a pre-game speech or something like that where she referred to the players as ice bears and you guys are like you're tough and you're this and you're that and we're you know we're going to win and it became just you know we once everybody in the supporters group found out about it it was just like this is amazing and brilliant and so when we won we obviously had to include the ice bears as well Mm -hmm. because you know that was part of the reason why the team got there was just partially the ridiculousness of that but you know it was <laughs> it was support and it was Nadine Ungara kind of like in a nutshell she's brilliant but she's you know she's she's funny <laughs> and um so and then we obviously we made the ice bears and the two trophies and the flower crown um that a number of supporters had started wearing in the stands and then one of our capos started wearing later on in the seasons and wears them still on and off. Um, and then we chose Lindsay Horan basically yeah. to be the centerpiece of the constellation. And that yeah, makes that perfect was... sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> and that Linda was... Horan, or was it Linda Horan or Lindsay Horan that showed Lindsay, up? Lindsay, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just, I'm just joking because um, in the World Cup, they're... right? And during the World Cup, yeah. when she kind of took over um, their first match and kind of um, this past World Cup, this past World Cup, they were some of the players were were talking, and I think they were also on Men and Blazers. Um, 
or the saying when she gets like that zoned in, it changes from Lindsay to Linda. It's like oh. her focus. It's like <laughs> it's her like, alter ego. Yeah, yeah, when she's that serious, that. like watch out. You don't want to mess with Linda. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah, fair. absolutely. That's, yep. I, I'd be scared of her too. If she if she was not on our team, I would have been, ooh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Think, um, huh? Go ahead. Well, I was just saying this um this example to me has a lot that really is uh, distinct about the work you all do is that it's very um, one, it's the ambition is huge. And then a lot of times when you see large scale TIFO work, because mm. it has to be paint by number section just to get it done, mm. it has a, a rougher quality, but all of the riveters work seems to have a really one original design, but also kind of yeah. a fine finish quality. Is that, true or am i just kind of uh no yeah it's kind of our biggest fault in our group is that um my friend who is our main designer for most of these tifos um really loves the intricate designs that have quite a bit of detail and so we're there with like little brushes and it takes hours and hours and hours like midsummer our home opener this year all of the flowers and the different colors in the flowers it took. We didn't finish Midsummer until the, the stage banner. We didn't finish that piece until the morning of the game. Oh and we were gosh. in there like touching it up and then using a hairdryer to dry ah! it so we, so we could take <laughs> it in and, and deploy it that day. And so do you, it's, would you normally yeah. rehearse for that? And did you have to skip a rehearsal or...? Um, for the stage banner, no. Okay. For the the large display, yeah, we typically go in the night before or a couple of nights before the match, um, and we do it. It can be anywhere between eight thirty at night and one a.m. Kind of depends how things go. Sometimes they go really well. And sometimes <laughs> they don't go really well at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the big displays we we usually try to get done as quickly as possible and we try to leave like a day before the test lift for any touch-ups or any just okay. you know is this okay or should we just slightly change this and then you also mentioned um that this piece was uh one that you worked on that was kind of important and this was this this season this is 2023 yeah uh, a july game i think uh, but yeah. it was um it was the pride. Uh, it was, was it the pride, pride game. Display. Pride yeah. Display. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a, it's dedicated to a kind of Portland icon. Do you want to explain? Yeah. What, it's what is in this? Yeah. It's dedicated to Darcel who passed away earlier in the year. Um, and essentially as soon as she passed away, one of the members of our group immediately, I think that week, was you know saying hey we have to do a tribute to Darcel and so we went we had I can't remember when she passed away I think it was during the season the season had already started so we'd already done our home opener and so our next TIFO in line was Pride um, and so we had already kind of like been putting our heads you know together to start thinking of ideas um, 
but as soon as that news broke and as soon as our friend was like, this is what we should do, we're like, yeah, absolutely. And so it wasn't until I think it was about two months before Pride that we started talking about it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was probably within the last month before Pride or a little bit before um, that the concept basically came about. And essentially, um, I mean, Darcel was an icon in Portland. And so we wanted to make her the focal point of the TIFO and her lipstick and her, her eye makeup were basically two of her biggest characteristics that made her so recognizable. So we wanted to feature that like component of her specifically. Um, and so putting her in a frame with the, the glitter the little pieces around her basically just to, you know, bring that spotlight in even closer to make it like she was in lights was the Mm. idea. Um, And then it was kind of a similar situation with the stage banner where we wanted like that, that frame around you can't stop us to basically the two, the three things that we wanted to highlight in it were her, um, her final words when, before she passed away, uh, was we will keep going mm. and the member of our group who started this concept um she that's she felt that was an important message for our community for the portland community mm-hmm. especially the lgbtq community yeah. but also for the players on the field after everything that they'd gone through mm-hmm. and so we that was like those were the important things were the messages that we put out there but also having her be the focal point uh, and you, that's an interesting subject. I know Maria has more questions about the logistics of these, but mm. you, since you brought that up, I do think that's an interesting point. Um, what was it like as such a strong supporters group to carry through a period with a team that was where there was so much uh, issues with ownership and the league that were really yeah. awful? And, you yeah. know, clearly you're separating your team, the individual players in the community yeah. away from that, but you can't yeah. escape it because that's the umbrella that has been forced underneath. Um, yeah. And I mean, just um, we've talked about all these issues before, you know, just like the mm-hmm. kind of deplorable things that happen. But I'm wondering if, if, yeah. if you want to talk on that for a second. Our biggest thing was maintaining support for the players while also getting a message out that we weren't okay with what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we did that in a few different ways. We did, there were, I think it was last year, we didn't do a home opener. It was, yeah, I think it was last year. We didn't do a home opener TIFO. Um, And we held, we held up two sticks. No, we had, uh, we had, Oh god, I can't remember exactly what we had, but we we had something that wasn't necessarily support. It was not supportive towards the players. And as soon as we did it, we were like, we got a message out, but it, it wasn't the right message. Okay. And so the next week or the next match, we had a display, and it was this sparks joy, and that was like that was it. That became the theme for the for that season. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was, we, yeah, we tried to be as supportive to the players as we could 
but we also wanted to, you know, put some messages out there that supported them, but also still said that we weren't, we weren't okay with what happened Mm -hmm. and we still wanted, you know, change to come and we still do because we're still waiting. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Remind us again, how many people are on the TIFO team? Um, Yeah. What it kind of start to finish timeline, you know, the basics. (laughs) Okay. So there's rough, there's about, I want to say seven of us in the core group that communicate fairly actively. And there are a few others that come in intermittently. Um, Essentially, we do three TFOs during the regular season. We do the home opener, we do pride, and we do the home closer. Uh, And then if we're fortunate and we make it to the playoffs and we host, we do a semifinal display or a quarterfinal display, whatever it happens to be. Um, In the rare chance, we host the final and we're in it. We also do a final display which we did once and we did not win. Um, (laughs) Typically we don't, we kind of, it goes two ways. Sometimes at the beginning of the year, we have like a clear idea of what we want to do and where we want to go with our theme. Um, And sometimes they work together. Um, Like the bonfire series that happened, I think, I think that was 2017 too. where our final game of the season happened to be the rain. And then we happened to play them again in the semifinal playoff. And so that was just sheer coincidence that we played them in the final, we played them for our final game. And then we played them the next, the next, you know, yeah, the match following that. So that was essentially a sheer coincidence that that turned out to be kind of the bonfire series. Um, But generally, yeah, we have protect this place was pretty important after we won the shield it also became important um following the fire in the gorge Mm. and it was like okay it is also more important as important to protect our community and the things around it that we love Mm -hmm. um sparking joy was a theme that we did uh last year i believe um and this year we don't necessarily have a theme We're kind of just still, we're still kind of bouncing back from all the investigations and the outcomes of those investigations. Um, So nothing really is necessarily flowing together, but I guess the underlying thing is, you know, we're trying to support the players and we're trying to just, you know, say that these are the things that we're still pushing a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. for change to happen. And we're still like a little bit, you know, midsummer was pretty dark for us, even though it was mm-hmm. very bright and colorful. It had a very obviously dark under like message to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so generally we try to have a theme most seasons, but not every season we can. The process to from painting TIFO to deploying TIFO, it depends on the scale. Um, midsummer took. I think three weekends and a lot of weeknights and touch-ups on the final day before the, of the match. Um, we do, um, it kind of depends. Yeah. It depends on the size and the scale and how intricate the design is. Um, 
it also the test lift is a big factor in certain displays as well and getting that to go off without a hitch can also be problematic we had for this we will keep going the pride display um we get our fabric it's ship it's the fabric used for sail ships because there's a company in port there's a company in portland that we buy our fabric from because obviously we're we're often doing 80 feet by 40 48 feet displays Mm -hmm. and sometimes we do two of them sometimes we do three of them it kind of depends they're roughly like that's our biggest i think 60 by 48 was the one we did yesterday um so they're big and we have so at the top of the tifos are five or six grommet holes where we attach a carabiner that attaches to a rope on a pulley and that's how we deploy it by hand um and so we went in to do our pride display our test lift so we we transported over from our warehouse which is just around the corner from the stadium um we we carried in every like seven or eight or nine people it kind of depends on how many people we can get because it's often fairly late and sometimes it's a a Thursday night or a Friday (laughs) night and people have work and school and stuff like that and so we go into the stadium we carry the Pride Tifo in and originally it was the well it is where it, it is where it was supposed to be in the photo so it was always going to be a concourse lift at the back okay um and so we get to the stadium the timbers army rigging crew does our rigging because they've been doing it for years okay and typically for a concourse lift how it works is we they the stadium lends us their scissor lift and they just go up and they like basically throw over the rope and that's it it's that simple doesn't take very long you just have to go you know along the concourse to the five different sections and drop a rope over on this particular night, the scissor lift that they had for us in the North end was not tall enough. Oh no. (laughs) The one that we needed was on the other end of the stadium, (laughs) but it was too wide to go through the interior of the stadium but it didn't have enough power to go up the only <laughs> hill outside the stadium to drive around. And the forklift that they had to push it up the hill was not working. Oh, jeez. And we just, that was a discovery we, that was made five minutes after we got there with the TIFO and the rigging crew was looking very panicked and there was a lot of people having conversations and I was like, what is happening? And our lead designer was out of the country. And she, before I started project managing a lot of our TFOs, she was the one that mostly did it. And then I would support her how she needed to be supported. But this was my first one I did virtually on my own with the rigging and stuff, like communicating with the rigging team. Anyway, so she was out of town and I was like, this is great. This is going so well. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so... There are conversations and they're like, okay, they might be able to rent a bigger scissor lift and they'll just drive it in tomorrow morning. I can't, I think it was in, it was an afternoon game, I think. And so they're like, we could get a scissor, a big scissor lift here by 10 a.m. or something like that. We can rig it up and everything will be fine. 
And then they're like, worst case scenario, we can't rent one. We can't get the forklift fixed. How about we rig at the front and we do a front lift instead of a concourse lift? Mm. And at that, at that point, it was, I think it had been almost an hour. And we're like, we need to deploy it. So, okay, let's hope that everything can get sorted out and they can get what they need to and rig it as normal. But yes, let's rig the front. So if nothing goes right, we will deploy it as a front lift, which is definitely not how that piece of fabric was designed to be. Just deploy. <laughs> so they rig it. We do our, we go to do our test lift. We go to hook the carabiner into the grommet holes. And the grommet holes are small. They're too small for the carabiners to fit. <laughs> were they we're different like, carabiners than normal or what? Different they were the exact same carabiners, but our supplier for the fabric put the wrong size grommet (laughs) on the fabric and we never thought about it because we you know because why would you yeah yeah because it hadn't happened before yeah and so we're like oh no (laughs) you know I'm standing there and I'm just like how do I tell my friend Hannah that this is happening on her first TFO oh, and she, she's out of the country because after it was like, what else? What else could go wrong? <laughs> we managed to force the carabiners in. It took about 25 minutes. Oh, One of them we had to find some random piece of metal behind, uh, basically under the stage. There was just a couple of random pieces of metal like at the back of the field. And we That's just, good. That's the we, kind of metal you want to... Yeah, it was so random we, we don't even know what it was for but it we managed to get all of the carabiners on and we the were police just are like... still looking for that evidence we managed to get everything sorted and um we did our test lift and it looked horrible oh, it no. was it Darcel basically the middle of it was kind of folded in. Oh no. So you could barely see Darcel. <laughs> and we're like, oh, this is not great. This is this is really not great. And so we had we did a lot of talking with the head of the rigging from the Timbers Army. And we came up with some solutions if we still had to go that way. And it was just it's going to be what it's going to be and we'll just have to tell people after the fact if we have to do it this way this is why um and so we packed up and we went home it was about we got there around 9 p.m we left the stadium after midnight that night <laughs> it was game day when we left and then we're like should we just oh, stay man. here <laughs> and so the next morning um the 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 head of our rigging, Austin, he sent a text message at I think it was around 8.30 in the morning and he's like, they managed to push, they managed to use whatever power was in the forklift to push the scissor lift up the hill. And he's like, I'm on my way to the stadium to rig it for a concourse lift. And oh, we were geez. just like, you're kidding. <laughs> That's great, but also we just spent like a whole... Like... <laughs> we spent... We spent many hours like 
stressing over it. My friend and I, my friend who pushed this concept and I were talking and talking and talking all night. And early the next morning, we were just like, what do we, she was understandably panicked because this was her first big TIFO that she had worked on. And she was obviously understandably panicked. And we were just waiting for a message. And we didn't want to message like everybody and be like, what's happening? What's happening? Right. Like, it's going to be calm. Yeah. yeah. And so when we finally got the message, she basically just jumped in her car and just went straight to the stadium. She's like, I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to make sure. She, she's like, I just need to see that they're putting the ropes in the mm-hmm. right places. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it can be a saga sometimes. Um, <sighs> That was the first for us. We, yeah, we never had that happen. We kind of rolled with the punches and then it worked out in the end at the 11th hour. But, and I mean, she looked amazing and everybody loved her. So that was the most important part in the end. It was like the hours of stress were obviously well worth it in the end because yeah, it it was so good. And everybody in the crowd was just amazed and surprised. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And well, now the, you know absolutely everything that can ever possibly go wrong, and you're prepared for every scenario. <laughs> <laughs> That's more or less, I think. Until that was the next like, time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we we did have a little bit of an issue with this last lift, but it was getting into our warehouse where where we paint our tifo. But once we could get in and we could get it out, we actually finished our test lift for our home closer yesterday. It took. 25 minutes it was it was flawless everything that went right everything that could go wrong did not go wrong at all (laughs) people got there early to help it the stadium front like the stadium security let us in immediately they gave us carts to transport everything the test lift went up there was nothing wrong and it went straight down like two minutes later before people could look at it from across the way and it was like we're just like, why couldn't this happen with pride? <laughs> it, was, it was like, what? This is, we're kind of waiting for something just really random to happen and nothing happened. And we're like, it's 9, 10, and we didn't expect to be out of here for at least another hour. And it was like, let's go home. Well, this, you all are definitely doing some of the most distinctive work in football. and it, and it, But that's not the only distinctive thing about the Thorns this year. <sighs> Um, this made big waves with us at the beginning of the season was the, uh, the release of, of this kit. Um, Maria, did you have thoughts on this that you want to ask Kay about? How did you find out that this is my chest tattoo? (laughs) 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 Who's been watching me? You're a big big Timbers supporter, RCPAD. Yeah, somebody's been watching me over there, and they Damn. they owe me a lot of money. Someone at someone at Nike is like, "Hey, I like that. I like what they've got going on." <laughs> so, what what do you know the the story, and what was your take on this, and um, and, um, and other supporters? Apparently, this was a concept that came about a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. More, I think. Um, which is why when we won our third star that they had to place it on the top above the dagger instead of inside the dagger because hmm. when they designed it, we'd only won two stars. Oh, okay. But then we won our third star and so they, oh, we have to put a star, we have to put another star in it somewhere. Um, I, 
a lot of my friends in the Riveters were talking about Ed Hardy. <laughs> I didn't grow up here, so I was not familiar. I was just like, that looked like something some, I don't know, 17-year-old boy would wear when, <laughs> like, to the skate park or something like that when he wanted to look, like, really tough, but he probably wasn't. <laughs> so yeah you didn't have any strong feelings then that's what i I didn't have strong feelings about it. no i thought oh okay that's different um i think the funniest thing about it was it leaked online on i think it was just some random website that was selling it already as far as because that's that's generally what's happened with a lot of the kit releases in portland even for the Timbers, is someone goes to a Ross outlet right. shopping store. Right, they put it out already, yeah. And they've already put it out on display and so someone posted it online. And I think that was kind of <laughs> the same situation as this. Like people are like, that can't be it. Like that that has to be a joke. Um, I think it's grown on a lot of people, especially as like we've done really well this season and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Yeah, we're <laughs> winning and our new kit is interesting. Um, I... I think I would have liked it better with the roses on the shoulder and the crest in the middle. Probably could have done away with the dagger and the um, the rose city till I die, because that's not exactly the Portland Thorns. That's more Timbers centric. Yeah, ours is by any other name. Generally, okay. that's that's what you know. That's our little thing. Uh, because obviously a rose by any other name, like thorns and right, but it's gotten better. It's it's gotten better the more I see it and the more people I see wearing it, and just you know the ridiculousness of like you can get a scarf that looks like it. You can get, I think you can get a jacket that looks like okay. I don't know. They, they've got quite a lot of attire now that that has like this similar theme in the design and bet- on it. I bet Marie is not the only one who got the tattoo as well. I'm sure. That... <laughs> I mean, no, they I'm stole sure my tattoo. Oh, I'm sorry, tattoo. that's right. There's a lot of people in Poland who would have a tattoo that looks like that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you mentioned but... that that part of the reason you warm to it is because the season goes well. You know, you are top of the table, just barely ahead of um, San Diego. Hang on by a thread. How are you feeling about winning the league? heading into the playoffs um this late this season has been wild up until last weekend every team in the league could have made the playoffs and at the moment only two teams are out and only two teams are in (laughs) which is unbelievable i feel like we've had a very 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 good team and even when even when we had Sophia Smith was injured and we didn't have Becky Sarabron for quite some time. We've had a lot of new young players who've just been unbelievable. And then obviously we have amazing leadership in Christine Sinclair. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I think it's Total going to icon, be, yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be hard for us not to win it, but I think we could be our own worst enemy and just get too far ahead of ourselves in the stands and on the field. So I don't know. I'm quietly confident we could win it again. I don't think we, I will be okay if we don't, because it's been such a competitive season, Yeah, but it, it would be fun to have another star for sure. 
Yeah. And it would be pretty wild if it, <laughs> if it somehow worked out that it was Portland versus San Diego in San Diego. I think that would be that'd be that pretty be crazy. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then one one other thing, you know, I think this past this World Cup this past summer highlighted the effect of how much the women's game has taken hold in Europe and yeah. how the quality of league play overseas has really rapidly increased. And I think yeah. that's in part because of the teams being part of such huge organizations that have such big infrastructure and, mm-hmm. and networks. And yeah. I think a, especially because it was a disappointing result for the U.S. women's team. I think that's just because the game's level's risen and things just didn't bounce their way. But um, as a supporter and kind of a longer-term NWSL uh, fan, when you look at the current situation, do you think we've entered a a position where the league is no longer – competitive with european leagues because of the infrastructure they have and do you do you see any issues with kind of how we're able to recruit and grow the game through this league now that we have that level of competition and if that's too much of a like question that's fine i've thought i've thought about i've thought about this a bit even Mm -hmm. before i saw even before you asked like you wrote that question in an email Mm -hmm. um i think I think our league overall is a lot better than Europe. Um, Just in terms of how far we've come in such a short period of time, like the European leagues have been there for a lot longer than ours has Mm -hmm. successfully. Um, But I think the difference is, which this past season in the NWSL has definitely shown, I think, in my opinion, why our league is stronger even without the big, big, big infrastructure of clubs like Arsenal or Bayern Munich or Barcelona. Um, Because you look at, I think Sky Blue, now Gotham, is like one of the biggest, um, you know, representations of that is that their ownership basically were, you know, they didn't care. And the fans were calling them out for it. And at the time, they had a new GM who isn't with the club anymore. But she listened to the fans and she said, what do you want? And they listened and they implemented change and they brought that change to the owners and the owners woke up and they're like, we aren't doing enough. And so they did. They put in more for their players and it, it's shown because the, play, the, the players on the team want to be there now. They are getting the support that they need. They're getting, you know, and they're they're being successful. Like I think Gotham is fourth on the ladder right now, something like that. And they had one of the best players in the world for multiple seasons when they were Sky Blue, mm-hmm. and it was only because of that one particular player that they did well. But they never ever got to the end where they would win a championship or be in a final. It was just they didn't have the support. And I think in the European leagues, it's in Spain, it's two, it's basically two clubs that are at the top and nobody else. In mm-hmm. France, it's two clubs that are at the top. In Germany, it's two clubs. Um, and England is growing now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had how many women, how many supporters they have at 
It was Arsenal and who did they just play? Liverpool and Liverpool beat Arsenal. And up until recently, and I think that also kind of Liverpool on their men's side have had wonderful financial support, but Mm -hmm. the women have more or less been an afterthought to them. But now they're finally getting recognized by getting recognized within. So I think our league is better. Um, I think we've, I think we've pushed further in less time Mm -hmm. and you can see that change basically in the results of this season where every club, every team was competitive until basically the second last round of the season and anyone could have made it to the playoffs last week. And you don't see that in the European leagues. You just see the same two or three teams every Mm -hmm. time and they alternate sometimes every couple of years or every year between who will win. Whereas, you know, here it's, it's, it's harder to predict, especially as we expand mm-hmm. and the game does grow and more, and more money is being put into it and more facilities are being directed right. to women and specifically just for them mm-hmm. as well. I, I think that's an interesting response in terms of, the parody as an argument for greater success uh, than just kind of replicating a giant, a model of like a few giants and then a, a bunch of other people fighting for the scraps. Yeah. Cause that's, that's more about the game. Um, so I appreciate that answer. Thank you. Before we end, Kate, is there anything that you wanted to say that we didn't get to? Um. Just keep showing up and supporting, supporting, <laughs> support your local club because it's fun. It is That's, fun. Yeah, yeah, it's so much fun. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> thank you so it. much, Kay. Oh. Uh, it's great having you on and um, hearing your stories and uh, getting another peek behind the scenes at seriously one of the best um, TIFO games in nwsl so congratulations and good luck with the rest of the season thank you thanks yeah. it's fun it's so much fun yeah thanks for coming and don't ever talk to two chicago fans about not caring about winning the championship <laughs> <laughs> that's a oh, that's yeah, cruel and you didn't quite get there yeah. and i think one of them happened in portland too yeah well you know <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. That was a great interview. Um, thanks so much to, to uh, Kay. Uh, she dealt with a lot of technical issues beforehand, but it was really fun to hear. What they, do. they do great work. I mean, those are they really, do. really yeah. good. Really good. The, so, uh, the Constellation one has to be one of my favorites, for sure. It is. Well, now that I know that it's Lindsay Horan, it's by far my favorite she's one of my favorite players after the world cup this summer so yeah all right i think that's it anything else it's cold out here yeah we'll we'll figure this video thing out at some point all right until next week bye okay bye